Welcome to episode 50 of Tap the Craft. My name is Denny Luce, and along with my buddy John Ream, we are going to guide you on your craft beer journey by passing on our knowledge and our experience to you, the listener. We are recording this episode on Monday, June 20th, 2016, and in this episode, we are going to discuss the Goza style guidelines, uh, along with our tasting notes on the Anderson Valley Briny Melon Goza, which is perfect. We're going to talk about the style. We're going to talk about a beer in that style. And also, we have a few listener questions. And if we have time, just a couple news items. You can always count on our usual beer banter along with all that great news because John and I love to talk about beer. But before we get into all that great beer talk, John, how are you doing tonight? I'm a little worn out, to be honest. Working long hours, drinking long hours, trying to catch up to you. <laughs> No, yeah, it's a lot for me to do, but uh, working towards some some well deserved time off. So, oh, good. I'll try to recharge the batteries. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Well, you know what? We're re- recording the day after Father's Day. Did you have a good Father's Day yesterday? I did. I uh, went to the Washington Brewers Festival, oh. uh, as is our tradition. Yes. Um. So, uh, had some good beers, which I'll talk about a couple. Okay. Uh, a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was a good time. Everybody had fun, and a good group of friends, and the boys actually behaved for the most part. So, All right. You know, a win. Yeah, that is a win. The weather was nice, too, I bet. Yeah, yeah. We uh, were happy we went Sunday, not Saturday, because Saturday was cold and rainy, and oh. Sunday was like sunny and 70, so. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Well, excellent. Excellent. Well, by any chance, did you drink too much yesterday, or are you still able to drink tonight and, and enjoy a nice craft beer? Oh, no. I'm drinking tonight. All That's right. no problem. I'm well, a what, professional. What's your drinking? Uh, tonight, I'm drinking a Laughing Dog Cream Ale, mm-hmm. um, which I was surprised to learn I hadn't had before. I thought oh. I had this before, but wow. I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's really refreshing. A little bit of a corn character, yeah. as you can expect from time to time in a cream ale. Yep. Um, but not not real heavy. Uh, it's going down pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, I, I remember it. I remember the same thing when I had that beer. It was a little bit of that corn, uh, you know, it, it, hint of corn in, in that beer. But it, yeah, it's a pretty good one. It's it's a pretty light beer too. That's uh, it's one that uh, that you know a lot of their other stuff has some pretty pretty good flavor, and, and that one's a little bit on the lighter side. So uh, it's great for a nice hot summer day. Yeah, and it you know. Leave me in good shape for the tasting later. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. You're gonna have a a bland palate, which is which, what you need. Well, you know, I, I'm not following in your footsteps with the bland palate. I'm just going right into, uh, you know, drinking some sour before we do our slightly sour tasting. I'm doing the Tim Barrel Cucumber Crush because, uh, yeah, yeah I, I bought a six pack of it. So you know what? Why not enjoy some of the six pack? And I'm gonna. Drink that while we talk about the the Goza style a little bit, and that'll get me in the mood for drinking our Goza um, melon briny Goza later. So excellent. 
Yeah, another very refreshing beer. Yes, so. yes, and it is. Uh, it's definitely very warm here in Boise right now, uh, and in my office for some reason. I don't know why this room is like the hottest room in the house, but uh, I'm feeling like I'm in a sauna, so I'll need to keep hydrated for sure. All right, John. So you mentioned that you were going to talk about some of the beers that you uh, tasted at the Washington Beer Festival or Brewers Festival. Uh, what uh, what beers do you have that were noteworthy of that festival? So I think I'll start off with a Goza, you know, okay. fitting for the episode. Uh, and this one came from Ten Pin uh, Brewing, uh, which is over in eastern Washington, and uh, they're undergoing a big expansion right now. And they cleaned up at the awards uh, for the festival. Um, I think they were named Small Washington Brewer of the Year uh, or Washington Brewery. Uh, the guy who was pouring had all their medals hanging around his neck. Oh my gosh! Uh, like four <laughs> or five of them. And uh, by the time I got around to their end of the festival, they only had the goza left. They were out of everything. Um, the line was long, <laughs> so uh, word had definitely gotten out. Um, just not to where we were, so we couldn't uh, try too much of it. But it was really good. Um, and uh, real light, refreshing um, is exactly what you know I, I look for, and what we needed at that point for the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of a almost a break um, from a lot of bigger beers and other things we were trying. Um, but that one was really good, and I'm definitely going to be looking for for more of their stuff, and hopefully, we'll see it more often with this expansion that they're doing. Well, good. So. Another one that we had at the festival is from Georgetown Brewing, uh, and that's their Weirly Rye Brown Ale, uh, which I spotted from like across the way because <laughs> uh, they have their big sign that's like Weirly Rye uh, in big letters. And I go up and I talk to the guy. I'm like, "Yeah, I just love rye beers, so I want to check this one out and see what it what it's like in a brown." And he's like, "Oh, well, you're gonna have to search for the rye in this because this one is barrel aged, and uh, oh no, yeah, the, the rye's a little hidden uh, <laughs> now. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so it wasn't what I went up for, but it was so smooth and just really well done. Uh, the barrel character was just right. Uh, we'd had some other ones that day where it just tasted like whatever spirit, like it had been in. Um, there was a rum beer that. Or beer, Asian rum barrel that just it was straight rum, oh. uh, which is not what you want, yeah. you know. And th- this thing was balanced out really nicely. It went down, and it, it was actually still only like six and a half percent. Oh, nice! So even though it was barrel aged, it didn't you know knock you on your butt, um, which which was very nice. Uh, so that that was a kind of a, a nice surprise because uh, I was a little hesitant um, after he said it was barrel aged because it was late in the day as well and mm-hmm. you know not what I was looking for <laughs> um, but it worked out so uh, I'll mention one more and this one was I didn't have at the, the festival um, but I had it at a, a previous stop at Rubens and that's their Kenya cream ale uh, which is cream ale with uh, Kenyan coffee uh, added to it Oh, wow. And uh, this thing just knocked out of the park. Uh, you know, the cream ale is really light, and, you know, it could be really easy to overdo it with the coffee. Uh, but they dialed it up just right. Uh, I was passing it around to everybody we were there with, and I 
got my glass back and I was like half gone. Oh. <laughs> Just like taking second sips because they liked it so much. Um, but uh, yeah, it was really nice. And uh, I'm hoping that this one is become, becomes a more regular part of their rotation because uh, it, it was really good. And yeah. hopefully we'll see more of it. Yeah, sounds so. great. Sounds great. Yeah. So how how about you? You you have done quite a bit of drinking uh, over these last few weeks. So I imagine there's some things you you want to talk about. Yeah, I have a few. I have a few more than than three, but not too many more. I try to narrow it down to a few local ones that I had. So I got back from my trip to Virginia, and a few that I had on my trip, just so I kind of balanced it out. The first one I'm going to talk about is from my favorite Idaho brewery which is Grand Teton Brewing, and it is their special reserve Goza. Again, like you, you're talking about a Goza on our Goza show. I'm talking about a Goza on our Goza show. And I'll tell you what, it was 750 milliliters of pure delight. Uh, This Goza was like everything is in a perfect standard Goza. No added flavors of different kinds of fruit or anything. It was just pretty much... You know what you expect from a good, uh, you know, a good goza. It has coriander in there, and uh, I'm trying to remember what else it had. It had coriander, and I don't remember the other thing, but it was just pretty much just a, a regular. Go- oh, salt! The salt came from uh, from uh, a glacier river, I think, in in the area. So I I just want to mention that one. If it's still available, and if you're able to get Grand Teton in your area, and you like Gozas, uh, it's worth it's worth a buy. Did you, have you seen this in your area, John? No, that that one's one of their like reserve series, right? Yeah. That's what goes yeah. into the seven fifties. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't get those here. Oh, really? Um, we just get some that we just get their standard beers. Oh so. man, okay. At least well, I haven't seen one here yet. Maybe they just come and go so fast that I I miss them every time. Yeah, I I pretty much get every single one every year. Um, I. You know what? I love their their reserve stuff, and they rotate through where you only get things every couple years, two to three years. And this is one I never had. This the Goza is like the first time that they've done the Goza, and I really I really liked it. So, uh, John, if you have an opportunity to pick it up by chance, seeing it, you know, on the end cap of a of your beer bottle shop, then uh, grab it. I think you'll enjoy it. And I know you're enjoying the Goza style these days. I am. Uh, the other one is another one of my is my favorite Utah brewery. Again, two of my favorite breweries. Uh, this is from Epic Brewing, and it's the son of a Baptist, the Imperial Oatmeal Stout with coffee and cocoa or cacao nibs. Uh, and John, you you've had this one, right? The son of a Baptist. The son of a Baptist. Yeah. Have you had that one? Uh, I don't think I've had the son of a Baptist. Oh man. Okay. Let me tell you. This is the baby, well, the son, basically, of the Big Bad Baptist. But this one has a little bit more pronounced coffee flavor. And it has, I think, a bit deeper uh, dark chocolate cocoa flavor also. But I'll tell you what, this sucker was like, again, pure gold uh, as you're drinking it. It just had, everything was a perfect amount of of coffee and cocoa and roasted malt. Everything kind of blended really well. Uh, I shared this one with my son, and he really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, if you can get this beer, uh, I, I recommend picking it up. 
just be, to everyone out there because it is really really good. It's not the Russian Imperial version. It's it's a you know it's a Imperial oatmeal, which I I'm not really familiar with an Imperial oatmeal uh, style. I don't know if that's a real style or not, but it's really smooth. And uh, yeah, yeah, I gave I gave both that Goza and this uh, this stout two five cap ratings. That's how much I enjoyed these two beers. So. Yeah, I have to look for that one because we do get their special stuff. So yeah, good. I have to keep an eye out for in six months or whenever they do it again. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, man, I'm tempted. I I can still get both these bottles in my in my area. If if you just want to stop by and and grab them from me, you know, you can do that. Yeah, I'll just swing on over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now now to move east a little bit. And just to mention a couple of the beers that really stood out in all of my beer tasting journeys over on the East Coast this last month. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is a uh, Pennsylvania brewery called Springhouse Brewing. And they do this beer called the Big Gruesome Chocolate Peanut Butter Stout. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what. This chocolate peanut butter stout is a huge, uh, heavier mouthfeel, a big peanut butter, like peanut flavor, and the chocolate. Everything blended really well. Nothing was muted. You know, and so so often you'll get a peanut butter stout that's really thin, and maybe the peanuts don't really come out very much. This one, I mean, I, I'm telling you what, it was like, it was like drinking, almost like drinking chocolate peanut butter ice cream. You know, it's like it was that creamy and and really good. Uh, I just wanted to let everyone know if you're in Pennsylvania and you can get uh, Springhouse Brewing beers, look for this beer. I had it on tap when I was visiting my buddy Bill Vlashammer. Uh We went to this place uh, close by his work called the Mill House, and all they serve, it's a nice little pub bistro that serves uh, nice food. And all the beers they serve are Pennsylvania beers. So not one beer on their tap list uh, wasn't from the Pennsylvania area. And they had a lot of local beers there, too, uh, that were were unique. So I took advantage of, of trying that one. I wasn't disappointed at all. In fact, all the beers that we had there, they were all good. Um, I'm really impressed with Pennsylvania. Uh, they, they had some good beers. I, I, I'm not going to mention any of the beers that we have, but we did visit the Appalachian Brewing uh, one of the breweries there in uh, Harrisburg, and I, I was I was surprised they had eight beers on tap, and I'll tell you what, every one of the eight beers was a, a beer well done. I didn't really find any flaws in any of the beers, so I want to throw that little shout out to that brewery if you can get Appalachian, go go give them a try. Have you had Appalachian at all when, in in your visits over in the East Coast or Pennsylvania? No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't. Never heard of that or Springhouse actually. Okay, so. all right. Two you haven't. Two next, you haven't. Next had. time I'm out there. Yeah, um, you, sh- you should have yeah. uh, Wes uh, hook you up. Yeah. Yeah. Tell <laughs> you know what? Tell him to go by and grab some on his way to Tennessee, and you guys can share them uh, next week. Yeah, it's too late for that. Oh, is he already <laughs> in Tennessee? Already. Oh, yeah. damn. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Then one last beer I'm going to talk about because I want to. I could talk about these beers uh, for hours, but I don't want to drag on. This is a new brewery in Virginia, just opened up less than a year ago, I believe, maybe six months ago, called Ten Cannon Brewing, and it's in Gainesville, Virginia, which is a town right next to the town I was staying at, 
and and the beer that that really knocked just i mean all the beers were good that i tasted but the one that was just like over the top fantastic was the busted pipe black ipa and you know john how controversial black ipas are with me but this is again one of those black ipas that you would say fits the black ipa perfect i mean it literally was an ipa with a just a little bit of that that uh, roasty toasty malt in there but it had that nice bitter finish that you expect from ipa and i i fell in love with that beer uh when i tried it Uh, good maybe you're coming around i am i am i'm I'm appreciating (laughs) the black ipa for what it is uh you know for you know for an ipa that's got you know a little bit of that roastiness not not a american style because i love american styles too but yeah, so that's uh, that is the noteworthy beers I want to talk about. Uh, now, John, everyone is waiting. They're on the edge of their seat to find out if uh, you know how we're doing on our untapped chase for chase for a loose screw catch up numbers. How, how, you, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, we we got to work on the title, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it was looking dire. I, I got to say, uh, you know, I had made a big push to drop to double digits uh for our last recording i'd I'd emptied the fridge um (laughs) and so i was sitting with no beer for a while as i'm watching you just check in after check in after check in on your trip and uh, i was down by almost 50 at one point like oh my goodness relative to our last starting point and i was like oh no um, this is not going to end well, uh, <laughs> but I, I bounced back and I finished only 11 back from last time. So I, I've dropped it back into the triple digits, but I'm at 101. Okay. So it's still my second lowest total of any, you know, week that we've done here. But, uh, yeah, I gotta, I just gotta dust off, you know, keep persevering and, uh, keep drinking. Yeah. So. No, you're, you did good. I was, I was uh, I, I kind of looked a couple times when I was in Virginia and I, I saw the number was getting up, uh, you know, spreading away, f- you know, further and further, and I was getting concerned. But you know what, John, you're a trooper, and you were just you went and hit a couple breweries and hit a couple festivals, and <laughs> and boom, you you're right back in the game. So I, I have a feeling that within the next couple months you're going to be right up there with me. I'm I'm going to be behind you. Yeah, you know, there's no quit in this dog. Yeah. uh... (laughs) Good job. Good job. All right. Well, you know what? We didn't have any listener questions last episode, but guess what? Uh, You guys made up for it. We've got three listener questions. Now, of course, two of them coming from the same guy, but it's spread over a four-week period. So it's not like they were back-to-back because we haven't recorded for a while. But the first one we're going to ask is our buddy Robert at TPS Sponge. He says... Oxidation, what does that taste like? And is it unhealthy to consume? So, uh, you know, John, we've talked about uh, beer spoilage or beer off flavors that can come from, you know, from, uh, from you know, uh, oxidation and from different, you know, light-struck beers and stuff. But, I mean, uh, I think pretty much oxidation uh, can come in a, a number of – basically, it's when oxygen gets into your beer – and starts to to change the flavors of the ingredients in the beer, and typically uh, there's there's two main flavors you get right. It's like either a papery cardboard type flavor or uh, a, a, like a sherry wine type flavor. Is that correct, John? Is that the two major 
uh, oxidation flavors you're getting a beer? Yeah, those are the big ones, and that's what you'll hear people refer to most often. Um, the, you know, obviously the cardboard is never in a good context. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody ever wants that. Uh, but the sherry is sometimes, you know, acceptable and what people look for and older barley wines and things like that. Uh, you might get a little bit of that sherry character and it kind of can add to the complexity of the beer if it's not, you know, overbearing and everything else comes together. Uh, but at, for the second part of his question, is it unhealthy to consume? No, it's, it's fine. You know, it just will taste different than, mm-hmm. uh, the original intention. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, what, but yeah, I won't, won't hurt you. Okay. And as a reminder, John, what, what are the best ways of preventing oxidation? I mean, for the most part, as a consumer, you have to uh, take a lot of assumption that the brewer did everything in their part to not put oxygen in the beer and to cap it correctly and everything. But as a consumer, what's the best thing that we can do once we have the beer in our possession to try to minimize the oxidation? Just, just drink the beer bef- you know, before it gets too old? Yeah, drink it fresh. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, for the most part, there's not a lot you can do to stop it if there's a bunch of oxygen in there. Um, The best you can do is keep it cold. Uh, That'll slow down, you know, any reaction um, and, uh, you know, keep it fresher for a bit longer. Mm -hmm. Um, But outside of that, just drink it sooner. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's the key thing. Drink it sooner. And uh, yeah, you'll you'll prevent the oxidation from from occurring in the long run. It'll be less uh, prominent in your beer if it is does have problems. All right, John, what's the next question? So our next one comes from our buddy David at Yojimbo Two Thousand. So I'm starting to see Final Gravity being listed on some beer labels. What does Final Gravity mean? And also, how is the gravity measured? Mm. So. Gravity uh, in relation to beer is is just how much sugar is present in the beer. So you'll have your original gravity when it's all sugar and no alcohol before the yeast get in there. And that's kind of your potential. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever that number is, that kind of caps what your potential alcohol content is. Yeah. And then the final gravity is what's left when the yeast are done. So when they tap out, say, yeah, we're we're good, we're happy. (laughs) Um you know, that there's going to be some amount of sugar left in there. Then, so that amount of sugar is the final gravity. And using an equation, you know, your original and your final, you can figure out how much alcohol mm-hmm. is present in the beer. Yeah. So gravity is measured using a hydrometer, uh, which is basically just a calibrated, uh, you know, glass tube, similar to just like a really big thermometer mm-hmm. that is floated in the beer. And depending on how much sugar is in the wort, it'll be more dense with a lot of sugar or less dense with not as much sugar. So it'll float at a different level um, in the beer and it'll be marked so you can read the the numbers on it. Um, and uh, that's how it's done. It's pretty, pretty simple. Yeah, it is pretty simple. So, so John... Um, I know that uh, this is a question I have, you know, regarding uh, also David's question, but I know that uh, your original gravity, that's going to be the potential that you have to create alcohol. So, you, the, you know, the, typically the more, uh, the higher that is, then the potential is higher to have more of the uh, yeast or the more of the sugars eaten up by yeast if you have the right yeast component. But 
what is a typical like when you, when you finish a beer, the final gravity uh, is it usually at a certain level? Like, is the final gravity usually always around a certain value, or does that also vary depending on the style and stuff? Uh, mostly depends on the yeast. Um, different yeast are different, uh, have different levels of alcohol tolerance and other things. Uh, they'll also be uh, known for a certain amount of attenuation, mm-hmm. uh, which is how much of the sugar they're going to consume. So it can be, you know, 70 to 80 percent or something like that. So you'll okay. know I should expect to see this around, you know, this point. And that's kind of how you'll know when they're slowing down or going to stop. So. Okay. And, and I, of course, if you are doing a style that you want to leave a little sweeter and you have a yeast that's way too tentative and it eats too much, that's going to, you know, then affect the beer too, right? Because if you don't have a, if you're going to be too dry for the style you're trying to do, then you're, I mean, it's, 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 it is kind of science. You have to really kind of figure all this out before you, you do it. Yeah. Then uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, brewing software and calculators these days that make it a lot easier mm-hmm. um, and quicker to, to adjust, to, okay. to figure it out. But uh, yeah, it's all a uh, delicate balance. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. It's scary. It's scary. I don't want to spend all my time and effort to get everything just right. And then I screw up the yeast and I use like yeast that uh, I thought was active uh, and and like you know maybe my my yeast I threw in there I thought was like fully a hundred percent gonna eat up everything and then I find out later that oh man it only ate half the sugar that I was planning on eating uh, that that could be disastrous I would think so yeah but you could always pitch another yeast you know okay let it go at it all right all right a uh, a pinch yeaster or pinch <laughs> yeah <laughs> excellent awesome well great question David. And I think a lot of people probably have the same question because you're right. I am also seeing that a lot of breweries these days are putting the final and original, you know, know, sometimes just the final, sometimes both the final and original. And and what does that mean? And, you know, here's the other thing, John. I I, I don't know. I I just thought of another question because this question was brought up um, by Bill when we were at Appalachian because Appalachian didn't use the standard – 1.04, you know, specific gravity type thing. They used whole numbers, like 14. And what what is it? Is that a different scale that they're using if they're using a whole number like that, a a bigger number? Yeah, it's uh, called degrees Plato. um, And uh, it's a conversion factor. I want to say it's like four times. Uh, or divide by four of what the like the number after the the one is in specific gravity. Oh, okay, um, okay. But it, it, that'll give you it'll get you close. It's a rough translation. Okay, yeah, yeah four. So all right. So here, a, so here's my question then. What as a consumer, what are we gonna get by knowing what the final gravity is? I mean, is it? it, it am I gonna gain anything by knowing that? What what do I gain by by knowing the final gravity? Another piece of the puzzle, if you want to clone that beer. Oh, um, okay. Or if you just want to nerd out. I mean, it's not really going to help you with anything. Um, okay. I guess with the final gravity, it can give you a gauge of how dry the beer is. Okay. You know, the smaller the number. Yeah, yeah. The drier the beer. But, 
Yeah, not not too much. Okay, that that's what I was. I mean, that's what I told Bill is that the basically, you know, the smaller the number, then you know that it's 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 got a lot less of the sugars left in there. So the yeast did a really good job of eating them up, and and you're not. It's going to be a lot drier, not so sweet. So good. I wasn't totally off base. All right. Okay. Well, you know what? David had another question. I already mentioned he. You know, he was very active, and he says, "Hey." Why are some brown beers called nut brown? I looked at a few recipes, and I don't see any nuts being used. I also have a, a few nut brown beers and did not taste any nuts in them. Am I supposed to taste the nutty flavor? What's what's up with the uh, nut brown, John? I mean, uh, my, my take on the whole nut brown is just the, the flavor that the malt's being used um, will we'll give you just like, you know, you could get, uh, you know, whatever, you know, whatever flavors you can get, whether it's a, a cracker or, uh, you know, some roasted, like some chocolate, you know, flavor or whatever. Same thing. These uh, darker malts can can end up leaving a flavor that tastes kind of nutty, maybe fleshy, fleshy, nutty uh, flavor in there. Is that is that correct? Yeah. See, you don't need me around for these questions anymore. You got this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. There's no, uh, nuts, uh, used in nut brown, um, at least in modern day, maybe there was historically. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just another, uh, character that, that the malt can impart. Um, you can kind of get a toasty nutty kind of character, uh, from certain grains and the way they're kilned. Um, so, uh, it's, it's usually not going to be really prominent. Um, but it's just kind of going to be that depth uh, yeah. to the beer. Yeah. Um, give it a little more, um, going on. So yeah, I, I think the one, the one nut brown that I think, uh, gives off the most nutty flavor is that hazelnut brown from, uh, rogue. That one, that one yeah. gives off a lot of, a lot of nut. Because it has hazelnut extract or whatever they use it oh for. does it so, oh those yeah <laughs> those cheaters i thought that was all yeah, natural they, no it, usually if you see hazelnut they're actually using you know hazelnuts or a hazelnut extract of some kind in the beer okay um, all right you know so not, now you know why i don't drink very much rogue because they're posers <laughs> <laughs> all right so so to answer his question though if it if a brewery labels their brown as a nut brown, then you should be able to taste some sort of nutty flavor in there. Not maybe not pronounced peanut or uh, you know, but some kind of a, a, a roastiness or toastiness that gives you the hint of of a nut. What I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. And, and, and obviously, David is sensing that some of the ones that he's tried that have been nut browns, he doesn't really get the nut flavor out of it. Yeah, and I, I don't know if people put a lot of focus on the nut portion of the nut brown um, because I think a nut brown has also come to generally just mean uh, an English-style brown ale, a northern English, I believe, okay, yeah. um, style brown ale. So you you may or may not actually pick up the nuttiness, but hey, look for it. Maybe, okay. you'll, maybe you'll find it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and read the label carefully, so if you're allergic to nuts – and it actually has nuts in there, like the hazelnut extract, then don't drink it. Uh, but m most of the time, the nut brown is not going to have 
nuts in it. It's just going to be the malt flavor. I just, but be careful. I, I have a friend that's uh, highly allergic to cinnamon, and basically she won't drink any beer that she even thinks might have a hint of cinnamon in it, even though there's not that many beers, I think, that have actual real cinnamon in it, unless it's a, a winter spice ale or something. But. Okay, well, hey, thank you, Robert and David, for providing... Uh, those awesome questions and if you the listener out there would like to be just like Robert and David and provide uh, your questions and comments to the show you can do that we we actually really want you to do it and you can do it through email and you can write us at tapthecraft at gmail.com or you can do it through Twitter we have a Twitter account at tapthecraft and you can also follow us on Facebook and write your questions right on our Facebook wall which uh you know, David uh, uses that quite often also. So, hey, go ahead and do, and do that, too. All right. Well, now it's time for our Brew Buzz segment, which, is, of course, is devoted to discussing all kinds of various beer-related topics. And in this week, we're going to discuss the Goza-style guidelines per the 2015 BJCP beer-style guidelines. And if you uh, all know that that is the Beer Judge Certification Program, which John is a certified judge. So he is an expert on everything we're going to talk about, and everything is factual. So just keep that in mind. All right, the Goza. Uh, before we get into the actual style guidelines, we need to have a little bit of uh, understanding of the category that the Goza is in. And this is an interesting category. It's called the historical beer category. And basically... Uh, the historical beer category contains styles that either have all but died out in modern times or that were much more popular in the past times and now are only brewed and, and known through recreations of those old historical beers. And Nagoza is one of those types of beers that pretty much had, had almost you know died out completely in, in modern times. It says that this category can also be used for traditional or indigenous beers of cultural importance within certain countries. That uh, makes sense. That's kind of, you know, the historical cultural beers. Now, placing a beer in a historical category does not imply that it is not currently being produced, just that it's a minor style, or perhaps it's in the process of rediscovery by craft brewers. And this is one of those styles the Goza, for the most part, before a few years ago, I never even heard of a Goza. And then you start getting the, you know, this beer reintroduced. You know, some some random brewery decides they want to, you know, brew this beer, and now it's become a, a hit across the the world and across the United States for sure. Because there's more Gozas right now than I've ever seen in in my lifetime. Which is yeah, good. and hopefully this uh, big Goza push is the first, uh, you know, shot fired in the. Uh, resurgence of session beers. So yeah, exactly. that's my hope anyway. <laughs> um, exactly. But uh, just to give a little bit more context, the, the historical beer category is new uh, to the 2015 uh, BJCP guidelines. Uh, this didn't exist before, and uh, it's one of many uh, moves that was made to try to declutter uh, what was previously known as specialty, which was just a catch-all for anything that didn't fit. Um, so they are trying to, uh, define, uh, a little better, uh, where, where beers are and how they should be judged. 
Um, so you don't have a black IPA going up against a, yeah. a Goza <laughs> in a specialty category, you know. Uh, but uh, so that, that's that's where this comes from. And, and you know, there's quite a few different, uh, you know, defined styles for historical beer. And then, you know, pretty much anything else that, that kind of fits that description that, that you gave uh, would fit in. Okay. So... Excellent. Yeah, that's uh, and again, that's why we're using the 2015 because I knew that in the older version <laughs> it wasn't going to be in there, and we needed to have some kind of uh, guidelines. So it worked out worked out well. All right. So the Goza, uh, the overall impression of this beer. So if you were just to get an overall idea of what this beer is about, it's a highly carbonated, tart and fruity wheat ale with a restrained coriander and salt character, and a very, very low bitterness. It's uh, it's very refreshing. It often has bright flavors and is a highly attenuated beer. We just talked about attenuation with the yeast, being able to eat up the sugars. And uh, I think that's a pretty good overall impression. You know, it's a little bit of tartness. It does have a little coriander, and it will have a little brininess or a little, you know, saltiness, salinity to it, uh, which is nice. It's kind of a different... A different style. You're not used to having salty beers. Now, the aroma of this beer, so if you were to go ahead and take a big whiff of it, you're going to get somewhere to a light to moderately fruity aroma. And it says of palm, what is that, palm fruit? Palm fruit. Palm it, fruit? They're just getting fancy. It's uh, it's the like fruit category that apples and pears are in. Okay. So, okay, so the apple, um, pear, palm fruit. See, that's, yeah, that's getting way fancy for this podcast. I, <laughs> I need to I need to get my pinky out now when talking about it. I feel like I need to hold out my Yeah. <laughs> yeah, make sure that pinky's out when we do our tasting. It'll okay. really en- enhance the yes, experience. Of, of course, of course. It says there's also going to be uh, in the aroma is going to be a light sourness. Uh, it might be sh- slightly sharp sourness. And you're also going to get a noticeable amount of coriander uh, which can have an aromatic lemony quality. And an intensity up to moderate, so it can be anywhere from a light lemony quality to a very intense lemon quality. I, I you know what, for the most part, uh, in my experiences, I get more of the light side than the, than the heavy, heavy intensity side. But yeah, the- and you know, lemony is actually how I like to describe the kind of sourness that you get in this because I don't like to use the word sourness for a beer like a Goza because mm-hmm. it can turn, can turn a lot of people off. Yeah. It's more that light tartness that you get, you know, in a, a, a lemon or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it's not uh, super sour. It's just a very light tartness. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Like, a, like a really watered down lemonade tartness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it says you can also get some light bready or doughy yeasty character, uh, kind of like uncooked sourdough bread. Uh, the acidity and the coriander can give off a bright, lively impression. And I, I keep saying coriander. Basically, coriander is just like uh, a dried version of like cilantro. Um, you know, so it's, it's got that kind of a, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's it's a it's a, a odor and a, and a flavor that you know it when you've tasted it, but it's kind of hard to put into words. Do you have any words for like coriander uh, aromas or flavors? Uh, I call it coriander aroma. Okay. okay. So you, you know what it <laughs> so is. So I'm not going to help yeah, right now. That's true. So you know what it is when you when you have it. And the, the important thing here too is the salt. It may be perceived very light, clean sea breeze. Now I like that they use the word sea breeze because I think that's 
very uh, much what you get. You you know, it's kind of like you're you're smelling like the the breeze of the ocean over you know coming in, and it has that very light briny or salinity uh, odor also, which is kind of nice. And it, it says it just adds a little general uh, freshness overall to the, the aroma. So that's the what you get in the aroma of this beer. Now, John, well, what are you going to get in the appearance? Yeah, so for this one, uh, it's, this is an unfiltered beer. So you don't, you'll expect it to have, uh, you know, moderate or very heavy uh, haze to it. Uh, if somebody hands you a Goza and it's perfectly clear, uh, they, they messed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, it's going to have a you know moderate uh, to tall sized white head, uh, tight bubbles, and good retention, and uh, it's due to uh, you know the wheat malt that's being used. Mm-hmm. Wheat holds uh, head together really well through the proteins in there. Uh, should be effervescent. Should have a lot of bubbles uh, coming up, and it's a medium yellow, uh, even like a straw color to it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's going to kind of uh, resemble a, a, a wheat, just a really light wheat beer. Yeah. Because uh, in, in essence, that's what it is, um, you know, just fermented a, a little differently. So when we get into the flavor, uh, you know, this is another one that you, you see a lot of the same things um, for the aroma. Uh, moderate to restrained, uh, but noticeable sourness. Hey, like a squeeze of lemon and iced tea. There you see go. That? There we go. I <laughs> <laughs> I should have read ahead. <laughs> um, you, again, you'll get some of that bready, doughy uh, character, although they describe it here from the malt uh, rather than the yeast. Um, some more light, uh, moderate, fruity character of palm fruit, uh, which we learned about. Uh, stone fruit or lemons. Um, I usually don't get too much stone fruit. Uh, it's more a light yeah. pear or, or citrusy type yeah, character. I agree. Uh, but... Uh, uh, again, a uh, light to moderate salt character up to the threshold of taste, uh, it should be noticeable, but not taste salty, uh, which I think some people are struggling with right now Yeah, as goes, it gets, uh, popular. They see salt and just throw in a bunch of salt. Yeah. Um, low bitterness, uh, no hop flavor. Uh, really you shouldn't get hops at all in this beer. Uh, dry, fully attenuated, uh, so no real sugar uh, presence. It shouldn't be sweet. Uh, with acidity, uh, balancing the malt, uh, not the hops. Uh, so it, it, it's it's a different kind of balance. It's not the you know bitter and sweet. It'll be acidic and sweet. Mm-hmm. It's a sweet and sour type of thing. Yeah. Um, the acidity can be more noticeable in the finish. Uh, enhance that refreshing quality. It's a light acidity, acidity kind of wipes it off the tongue. Um, but it should be balanced and not uh, overly forward. Uh, if you find a an old historical Goza, that might be very sour, they say. <laughs> I don't know uh, yeah, think, what yeah. that, that note really is for. I don't think any of us are going to stumble upon an old like, Goza. <laughs> but, unless, it, uh, unless they dig it out from the bottom of the sea. Maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. Coming soon from Dr. Shed. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, so what are we going to get in the mouthfeel? Yeah, the mouthfeel. So now we just talked about all this great flavor, and we're going to have a high to a very high carbonation. It's going to be very effervescent. And this is true for the most, you know, most part. Most of these gozas are going to have a lot of bubbles coming up. You're going to, you know, you're going to feel that carbonation. 
Uh, it's going to make you burp. It makes me burp. Uh, it's okay. It's it, it. I think it helps with the overall, um, you know, the overall enjoyment of the beer. Just it it makes it it helps make it more refreshing with that extra little bit of carbonation. It's, yeah, it lightens up the perception of it. Yeah, so. yeah, it's it, yeah, it definitely lightens it up. Uh, they they say it's going to be anywhere between a medium light to a medium full body beer. Uh, it's also the the salt may give a slightly tingly or a mouth watering quality if perceived at all, and the yeast and wheat can give it a little bit of, uh, you know give it a little body, but it shouldn't have a heavy feel, and that, that's true. I don't I think any gozas the one thing you're gonna know for sure is it's not gonna be a heavy beer. If I think if it's heavy, then they did something a little bit wrong. It's gonna be too syrupy or or too uh, you know maybe too salty in there too. And what what I like about a good goza in, in my mouthfeel is what you get that little bit of tartness up front, and the salt, the salinity is, is enough to kind of like cut that tartness where it, it just finishes really nice, and it doesn't leave that lingering saltiness or anything that makes you feel like you know you you keep licking your lips and you keep tasting salt. Those are the gozas that are like John said, they kind of overdid the the salt factor. Um, I, I like the ones that the salt is just there. You, you you taste a little bit of the salinity in the in the beer, but it's not over well you know overbearing, and that's makes a good goza. All right, so a little history on the on the goza. Uh, it's a minor style associated with uh, Leipzig, uh, but it uh, originated in the Middle Ages in the town of Gosler on the Goza River, <laughs> uh, and it was documented to have uh, made it to Leipzig. By 1740, mm. um, and there were it was said that there were 80 Goza houses in uh, 1900, uh, but the production declined significantly after World War II and uh, s- ceased entirely in 1966. Uh, so this this was a dead beer style, um, but uh, it was revived in the 1980s. Uh, in modern production, uh, and already it, this shows that the, these style guidelines are are out of date because it says the beer is not widely available. <laughs> it's only been out for uh, less than a year, and, the, and these are already, uh, you know, showing their age. But uh, yeah, the big boom has uh, has made this one a little off. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So some of the characteristic ingredients that you'll find in a goza, uh, you'll use pilsner and wheat malt. Uh, some restrained use of salt and coriander seed. And, of course, to get the little tartness, you'll have a little bit of lactobacillus uh, uh, yeast in there to uh, give it your little tartness. It says the coriander should have a fresh and citrusy, like lemon or bitter orange, uh, flavor. And it should uh, be a bright note and not be vegetal or celery-like or ham-like. Yeah, I don't want a ham or a celery goza. That doesn't sound uh, good to me. <laughs> And here's another key aspect that I think that most of the best gozas that, I, that I've had use uh, sea salt. It says the salt should have a sea salt or fresh salt character, not a metallic or iodine note. And that's a key. I think that sea salt uh, is really key to the, the salty flavor that we should, we should see. Yeah, and just to give a little bit of a comparison, um, the perceived acidity in a goza not as intense as a Berliner Weiss or a Goose. I think Berliner Weiss is probably the style that is cl- most closely resembles this beer. Yeah. Um, I think the you know that salt and and coriander is the real uh, differentiator. 
Um, and, and probably, yeah, just a lighter tartness. But uh, restrained use of salt, coriac, coriander, and lacto, uh, that's been uh, repeated over and over. Hopefully people are paying attention. <laughs> should not taste overly salty. Um, the coriander aroma can be similar to a wit beer. And uh, the haziness similar to a vice beer, yeah. as we mentioned. Yeah. So kind of give you an, an idea if you're familiar with these other beer styles. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. And uh, the vital statistics, the IBUs, what do you guess? It's going to be relatively small. They say between 5 and 12 IBUs. It's pretty much uh, non-bitter whatsoever, which is great. You don't want to have a bitter goza. That would be very, very bad. And uh, alcohol by volume, this is the part that John and I are really appreciating in these days is the fact that it comes in between 4.2 and 4.8% alcohol. That means this beer should be sessionable that you, uh, you know, you don't, you're not going to have a goza that's going to knock you on your, on your butt. You know, it's going to allow you to, to enjoy it and, uh, you know, maybe have more than one. I, I typically don't drink more than one at a time. I think one is is what I like to drink. But if you wanted to drink a six pack, you could. It, it's uh, it, it is very easily drinkable. So, John, what are some of the commercial beers, uh, goes the styles that they can find out there? Uh, so one is the Anderson Valley Goza, which is probably not the one we're drinking tonight. They no. do four or five different yeah, yeah. different ones. Uh, Bärisch Bahnhof Leipziger Goza. Oh, wow. And the uh, Dolmitzer Rittergutz Goza. Wow, you nailed that. And I was trying to get you to get tongue-tied. I know. <laughs> I, I could tell that there was a reason you gave me this section because you didn't want to do it. Uh, but I think my made-up German uh, worked out really well. You did awesome. <laughs> you nailed it. And uh, yeah, we're, we're probably getting an angry uh, email from somebody <laughs> who's an actual native German speaker. Like, oh, you butchered that. But uh, hey, that sounds good to I my thought, American ears. Yeah, you did good. You did good. I, I am impressed because I would not have done as well if I would have tried to say that. So good job, John. So that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the Goza style guidelines. And I, I find it fitting that the commercial example is from Anderson Valley. And we're going to be drinking an Anderson Valley Goza, not the one they, not the standard one. This is going to be one that they're going to, they add a little flavor to it. And it's going to, it's the briny melon Goza we're going to be, we're going to be uh, trying here in just a few minutes. But. Before we get on to our Tasting Notes segment, I just want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting our show. They provide our hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we are sure that you are going to find a lot more great content on the other podcasts that we have to offer, like the following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer, and if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OpenFormRadio.com. We house such podcasts as Opaform Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please, remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. All right. Well, now it is time for our beer tasting notes. And as we just mentioned, 
We are going to be tasting a Goza from Anderson Valley. And let's open that beer, John. I got to open my... Oh. oh, crap. I just blew up. Oh, my goodness. My beer is spilling all over my keyboard and my shorts. Hopefully, I am wearing this beer, right? <laughs> oh, this is embarrassing. Oh, it's on my face, too. I think my beard is wearing more of this beer than my glasses right now. Um, sorry about that, folks. But uh, we're drinking the Briny Melon Goza. It's from Anderson Valley Brewing. I hope that everyone out there has uh, had the opportunity to find this beer. It is available right now. Uh, they, as John mentioned, they do have several versions of the Goza. And uh, because this one, we chose this one because it's readily available. Um, and we just want to make sure that everyone was able to, to find something at this time. It's, uh, the brewery is, is out of Boonville, California. This uh, beer alcohol volume is 4.2% alcohol so it's right there at the you know at, it gets in right at the lower level of the recommended style guidelines and uh, no IBUs on this beer I couldn't find IBUs anywhere and uh, I'm pouring mine from a can uh, a can that exploded when I popped it open John uh, how are you drinking yours is yours poured from a can or the bottle I've got a uh, 22 ounce bottle oh. and I've got almost the entire thing in this glass damn so. you're good you're good. All right. So John and I are going to be doing this tasting live. Uh, we have not, you know, taken any uh, notes beforehand, although I, I know I have had this beer a, a few times before. I really enjoy this one. That's why we chose it. And John, I'm assuming you may have already had this beer before in, in future or previous uh, drinkings, right? No, I picked this one uh, because I hadn't checked into it before, and I had checked into our other option. So I'm going to gain another another point here. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> then then I've already had it. So while we uh, go into this beer, uh, John, uh, what's your color look like? Uh, mine is a lighter yellow. Um, if I hold it up in front of my white screen on the computer it gets to be straw but i think it's got a little more color than that um like when i hold it up to the normal light so yeah, i'd say a lighter yellow all right i'm gonna say straw for mine uh i and i'm also gonna say that uh i've got a good amount of bubbles coming out now of course my glass is also laser etched on the bottom so that's helping but even without the laser etching uh, it still has a good amount of bubbles coming up, and it's not—it's—it's it's not uh, completely clear, but it's not like super hazy either. It's kind of in between. It's like a—it's like an in-between um, uh, clearness. It's not super clear, not hazy. How, how about your your? Uh, how, how can you see through yours? Is yours hazy? Yeah, I would say it's a moderate haze. Okay, uh, and. I had a big head initially, but it dissipated pretty quickly. Uh, this glass probably isn't the cleanest. It hasn't seen much use lately, so uh, it's just been sitting here. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's probably just a little bit of a dirty glass. So so, so mine too. The Now, my, of course, mine had a big head in the can. 
but when I poured it in the glass, pretty much I, as I first poured it in, it was literally three quarters of the glass was the head, uh, and then it literally evaporated as as much as fast as I was pouring it in. It was dis- you know disappearing the head. So uh, the head does disappear rather quickly. And in fact, right now, as I'm looking at it, I have no head at all um, and no lacing at all on, on my glass. I haven't drank any yet, but I, as I swirled around, I'm not seeing a lot of uh, lacing uh, stick on there. So, uh, yeah, yeah, same here. Okay. All right. So it's time to take a whiff and uh, describe the aroma. And uh, I get a, a light tartness, uh, and I, yeah. I do think I pick up a little bit of the salt character mm-hmm. in this. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a bit of fruitiness to it. Um, I can't really put my finger on exactly what it is though. Okay. Yep. I um, just like you get, I get uh, the saltiness and the tartness in the nose. You just it, it, my nose just feels the tartness, right? It's kind of like a I, I don't know how to describe it. It's not like I'm smelling the tartness, but when I smell it, it feels tart. And the salt, and maybe the saltiness is also feeling that uh, saltiness. I can't really get anything else out of it, and and this is how it typically is. Whenever I get a goza, I rarely am able to pick up too many flavor or too many you know uh, aromas out of the nose. It's not until I taste it that I can really pick up those you know the characteristics that we we you know are, are talking about, and this. You know, whenever my wife smells, you know, picks up my goza and smells it, she always shakes her head and says, "Man, it smells like dirty dishwater." Is what she says, <laughs> and and that I mean, it, that's kind of like that, right? It's, it doesn't ha- to me. It doesn't have a an aroma that is just like it, it. It it draws you in and says, "Oh, I gotta drink that." It's not one of those aromas. It's it doesn't to me. Gozas don't have a strong aroma that is appealing. It's the flavor that's more appealing to me. I don't know if everyone has that same take on it or not. All right, John, uh, let's take a, a sip and we'll let's see if we can describe some of these flavors that we're going to taste. So there is one thing that this reminds me of immensely, and that is a watermelon Jolly Rancher. Um. This is very tart uh, in the flavor. Uh, And to me, as like a candy watermelon uh, type character. Mm -hmm. Um, That that just like jumps out at me with the first thing um, when I drink it. I I agree. Um, The tartness is more pronounced, especially uh, literally as soon as you put your lips to the beer, the tartness comes out. Not overwhelming but it's there uh and you're right you do get a melon a watermelon type uh flavor the difference though is i don't think it's as, it's not as sweet as what i i remember jolly i haven't had a jolly rancher in probably 10 years so i don't try to remember back to my jolly rancher days but it does have the melon flavor but instead of being a sweet melon it's more of that yeah well you know what maybe the jolly rancher is more tart isn't it maybe it is just like a jolly rancher yeah, and I, it's kind of a. I use that to describe it's. It's like a candied watermelon, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. like a, you know, straight watermelon. True. Um, yeah, that's true. It's a fake, like a fake watermelon. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it comes across as. And uh, okay, now I, 
so we kind of agree on the uh, on the flavor. Um, the body, uh, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, this is coming across now, maybe because it's mine's warmed up a little bit more than than normal. Um, it's it's definitely coming over on the you know maybe medium uh, side of the body, uh, and maybe it's just because I'm I'm sensing a little bit more s- saltiness in here. What? How's your body? No, I'd agree. It, it's uh, more medium mm-hmm. um, than the medium light, which I think is where I prefer. Um, yeah, in the style, uh, just, it tends to be more refreshing uh, that way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but you know, it's it's not coming across you know thick or anything. You know, that there's still a nice level of carbonation that that you know lightens it up a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely fuller though than I prefer personally. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I agree with that, and I am. Uh, I mean, I, I am getting, uh, uh, I mean, we're kind of moving into the finished part, but I am getting a bit of the the salty, kind of like the, the saltiness is, is like when you uh, lick your lips after you've been diving in the ocean uh, and you kind of get that, that saltiness in there. It's kind of like that. It's like a, mm. it's like a powder saltiness versus, a, uh, you know, like a powdery saltiness. But it's not too bad. Mm. Yeah, and you know, for as tart as it is, uh, it really doesn't linger um, in the finish. At least for me, it 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 wipes away, uh, you know, to to keep me coming back. Yeah. Although, uh, you know, this is also a little more tart than I prefer my my goes as well. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been um, a year or two since I've had this, and I think the difference is. From what I remember, is that uh, I've had a lot more gozas <laughs> since this one yeah, I mean, when I first had it. So I've I've really had a lot of experience, and I like you said, you there's there's certain gozas that that strike uh, something in us that we really enjoy, and not that this is a bad one. This is not bad. It's just it's a little stronger uh, and and a little bit different than what I've I've come to really appreciate. Definitely different than the the Grand Teton one I just talked about. Uh, you know, that one was very uh, light, light, refreshing. The effervescence was, made you feel like it was bubbly, and, and this one just feels a little bit heavier. Well, yeah, and I mean, your experience with, with Goza's prior was probably all Anderson Valley. I mean, yeah. they probably defined the style for you before this big That's goo, true. You know? That's true, yeah. Because uh, yeah. I can't really think of anybody else that was doing them. Um yeah, at least I, on a big scale. Yeah, I think you're so. right. I think you're right. Okay, so uh, anything else on the finish, John? I kind of mentioned mine. What do you got in the finish? Uh, I'm not really picking up the salt too much uh, here, but um, you know, I do like that it it, it wipes clean for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, it doesn't linger with that uh, stronger acidity. So yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That's nice. Is that there's not a there's not a big acidity. Uh, you know, you drink this, and a lot of times, like, if you drink a sour, as you drink it, you feel it in your, you know, right at the base of your your esophagus, you know, where, where you meet your stomach. You kind of feel that acidity build up there. I don't get that when I'm drinking this. It, it goes down uh, pleasantly. It doesn't leave any after effects. All right, then. So here's a question, John. Um, 
What do you think about introducing someone new to craft beer to uh, this beer? I would not do that. <laughs> I, um, I, I think the the acidity on this would be a turnoff. I think um, I I don't I don't know that uh, it would be too approachable. Um, you know, maybe if they're coming from a, another kind of beverage that also has that similar acidity, then maybe the, you know, the watermelon kind of character can also kind of help. But mm-hmm. I don't think it'd be a special case for me to do it. I'll just put it that way. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to go as far as to say, no, I would not introduce someone new to craft beer to this right away. And honestly... After revisiting this, I don't think I would even introduce someone new to the Goza style with this beer, just because I think it's it's a like you said it's a little bit stronger than what I think the style typically is, and I don't I wouldn't want someone to get turned off by it and not try other Gozas that are uh, superior in my opinion. So. Yeah, but I think if something's going to be heavy-handed for this style, I'd rather it be the tartness than the salinity, yeah, uh, which true. is this one. Because I, I think the too much salt makes it almost undrinkable. So, true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I, it's a fine balance, I guess, between the two. Yeah. All right. So uh, the recommended glassware, which we're both drinking out of as we are doing this tasting, is called the uh, uh, Stange glass. And basically, it's a it's a very tall s- cylindrical glass, like straight up cylindrical. You know, it's just a straight glass, um, which is nice. I have one that I got for my I think it was my birthday two years ago or a year ago. Uh, it's a Red Hook one. And John, you're drinking one from a Black Raven local brewery. Uh, so it's nice that we both have the the preferred glass. But um, I think that glass just highlights. The fact that these these gozas typically will have a lot of carbonation, a lot of bubbles, and it just makes the presentation good. I think is a, is a key. I don't know whether any other reason why the glass would be important. Do you have any idea why it would be important? Uh, no. Although I would say that the type of glass probably isn't as important with a highly carbonated beer like this because mm-hmm. it has enough. Uh, you know, carbonation and bubbles coming up to push the aroma to you yeah. rather than needing something to collect it as it just kind of sits on top of the beer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it does look nice. Yeah. It looks, it looks <laughs> nice. And I don't know, is your, my, my glass is, is heavy too. I mean, this is like a thick walled glass. Is yours thick or is it a thinner walled glass? No, nah, it's thick. Yeah. It's like, I mean, this is like, I'm, I'm doing some, uh, uh, work out here, lifting this glass up and down. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. All right, then. So now comes our opportunity to rate the beer, John. Um, and I'll I'll start with this. I always put you on the on the hook first, but I'm gonna give this uh, uh, I'm gonna give this an, an average rating. And our average rating is basically drink it when you feel like something drinkable. This is a drinkable beer. Um, I wouldn't say it's it's in our you know, daily drinker, uh, category, but I think it's something that if, if you, uh, you know, are in the mood for a beer and you just want to drink something that's nice to drink, yeah, go ahead and drink it. Plus that's my rec, my rating. How about you, John? What are you going to rate this? Yeah. I've been sitting here debating between 
recommend it an average. And I, I think if it was just a little less acidic, it would bump it up into the recommended mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think I'm with you on the average. Um, you know, it's a solid beer, but I don't think I would want it all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, this one, I think you're right with the the acidity and the tartness. It's a little bit heavier on the on the Goza style that is not. I guess it's not as refreshing as the other one. So yeah, I, I you know, I I definitely can't say I want to drink this every day, um, but hey, I'll drink it every couple years for sure. No problem. All right then, and guess what? They were very kind to provide us with the uh, the ingredients that they use. And the malts they use are a typical uh, pale two-reel malt and some malted white wheat. Of course, it's a wheat beer, so it's got to have some wheat in there. So that's that makes sense. And the hops are Bravo hops. Now, uh, this is interesting because um, I'm not all that familiar with Bravo. I'm sure I've had beers with Bravo in it, but I'm not familiar with the name Bravo. So I looked it up, and a Bravo hops are typically a bittering, mainly used for bittering. Now, of course, we know this is not a bitter beer, so I know they probably didn't use too many hops for it. But it, it provides the, the flavors that it usually gives off is earthy, spicy, or floral flavors. And of course, I don't get any of those in in the beer because it's you know not really prominent in the hops. But what do you think, John? Uh, is there in this style of beer are the I mean, I'm assuming they're using a smaller amount of hops. I don't know how. What I mean, what, what do you think? I don't. I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss for this. I, I think you could put any hop in here, and it wouldn't matter because I, my bet is you're just putting a small charge in at the beginning just uh-huh. to get your your base level bitterness, and there's probably nothing later to give any kind of any kind of flavor uh, flavor or aroma because okay. you, you're not expected. It's not supposed to be there. Okay. So, okay. That'd be have, my guess. Have you cooked uh, a beer with Bravo hops before? Uh, I have not used Bravo before. Okay. So I don't. I don't think it's available at my local shop. I think I'd have to order it special. So. Okay. Do you know of any? I I know I'm putting it on the spot again, but uh, are you familiar with this hop though? As far as other beers, other, you know, of any other beers that use it that that you remember? Um, I'm aware of it. Like this isn't the first I heard of it, but okay. I I couldn't tell you where it's used. Okay. No um, problem. No so. problem. All right, they they do have a couple food pairings they recommend also. They said it's great with grilled chicken or fish, some salads if you want to eat salad, and chev goat cheese. Like uh, I, I eat chev all the time. Goat cheese is one of the the things my wife can eat, and we love our goat cheese. So uh, chev cheese with this, and, I, and you know what? I think that goes well because chev does also have a little bit of uh, saltiness to it. Um, with the in the cheese itself, so it, it I think it the salinity of the beer along with the tartness uh, and the the cheese would go well together. All right, well that is our beer tasting notes. I hope that everyone listening was able to go grab a beer and taste along with us and give us your what what you think about the beer. Let us know if you enjoyed it, if you agree with what we said, or if you disagree, or if we maybe missed something. Hey, we're not perfect. So uh, give us some feedback. We don't mind. All right. We have a, a, just a couple noteworthy news items. We're not going to go. These aren't articles we're going to read or anything. There's just a couple items that, that happened over the last uh, few weeks that I thought was important to, to mention to our listeners. And the first one is uh, 
probably close to John's heart since he's from Ohio. In Ohio, craft breweries, they finally get a huge boost as Governor John Kasich signs new law. The legislation removes the 12% limit on beers, both made and sold in the state. That's huge news. I know our buddy, Mr. Uh, Devious Mr. Matt, from the 40 cast, he's been wanting this law to be passed for a long, like many years because it really limits the beers that can be sold in the state and, and can be made. And now, especially when they have like uh, BrewDog, right? They just open, they're opening a, a, a brewery in Ohio. They're known for making big beers, and I'm sure that they were a big push to for them coming into the state that, that this law had to be uh, changed. So what do you think, John? Is this good for Ohio? Uh, yeah, and it's a little too late, um, you know, because I think this was rumored to be one of the sticking points for Stone when they were looking, um, that they had refused to change it. Yeah. And uh, so, but, you know, I think it'll help BrewDog coming in, and it, it erases some of my questions about why they would go there because they do a lot of that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what uh, other interesting thing? I, I picked up a little uh, little statistic there that Ohio uh, in 2015 the, the stats they had 140 craft breweries in Ohio. That's great. That's a huge number. So good, yeah. good for Ohio. Good for, uh, all right, the other, the other little news bit that I wanted to mention to everyone, uh, in case you didn't know, you know, I, I already talked about Epic Brewing, from, uh, originally from Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, and they, they expanded into uh, Colorado not too, a couple years ago, and now their distribution, distribution is getting more in the East Coast. They are now distributing in Maryland and Rhode Island, so if you live in those two states uh look out for epic brewing coming to your area they make some fantastic beers so uh, go and grab them that'd be great and i don't know did we mention on a show that uh about the shoots uh i think we did mention the shoots going to roanoke virginia right we mentioned that a, a month or so ago i think yes we did okay then we won't mention that i just thought uh, oh, but we didn't mention that Ballast Point is also opening a brewery. Did we mention that one too? No, we did not. Yes, Ballast Point in the general in the same general area as where the Shoots has opened their brewery. Ballast Point is also going to do a brewery in Virginia. Uh, so hey, uh, every all these brewers are going to Virginia. So I mean, obviously there must be offering some uh, good incentives. Now you have Stone, the Shoots, and now Ballast Point. Those are three big breweries. So, yeah, things looking good for Virginia. We are making record time. Uh, we had a, sh- a really short show last time, and guess what? We're going to keep it under an hour and a half this episode. So it's that time of the show, John, where uh, I just give you the opportunity to raise your glass to someone you want to raise your glass to. Anyone you want to raise your glass to this this episode? Uh, yeah, thank Robert and David again for asking their, their questions and uh, being active. and uh, Go check out the Facebook page. It's been really active over the last uh, month. So Chris is doing a great job over there. and uh, I've actually had time to jump in from what? time. So, yeah. What? Wait, you wait, you actually posted something on the Facebook page? Uh, no, not <laughs> original stuff, but I, I 
commented a couple times. Oh, okay. I got to look for your comments. Okay. Uh, John made an appearance on Facebook. That's great. You. That's. That's. I thought I was the the guy that didn't make much a, appearance there, but now. Uh, okay. Excellent. Oh no, I've got that title wrapped up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, talking about Facebook. Uh, of course, I have to raise my glass to our good buddy Chris McKenzie, who uh, does a fantastic job of keeping articles and keeping the Facebook page up to date and making cool little pictures of me uh, <laughs> with birthday hats and balloons in there. I thought that was pretty pretty funny. But th- thank you, thank you, Chris, for for all the work you do on our Facebook page. I raise my glass to you, and I also raise my glass to one of your friends, I believe, uh, Mr. Ryan Miller. He on Facebook. He actually shared our uh, one of our shows. I think it was the, the latest one, the Ryan Ryan. I don't know, Ryan. Ryan Heitzkaboot. Heitzkaboot. Yes, uh, and he said that uh, the best craft beer podcast out there. Go listen to it and shared it with all his Facebook friends. Ryan, we really appreciate. We love it that you enjoy. Uh, you know what you hear. Please provide us some feedback. Let us know what you like. Let us know what we can improve on, and uh, let us know what you like to drink, so we can share it with the rest of the world. And we enjoy just hearing about uh, all of our listeners' um, experiences. So I raise my glass to you. I also, of course, uh, want just want to again thank my buddy Bill Vlashammer Warley for hosting me in Harrisburg, PA. I'll tell you what, we had a fantastic time. We started drinking at 11 a.m., and we didn't stop until, I don't know, it was close to midnight, and uh, we hit three different, you know, two different breweries and another pub spot and a winery. Uh, I drank a couple bottles of wines at the end of the day and some wine slushies. I'll tell you what, we drank a little bit of alcohol that day and had a fantastic time, so... Uh, Bill was a great host. I raise my glass to you, and and thank you for your hospitality. And, of course, I just want to go out. We we forgot to mention uh, that uh, Memorial Day in our last episode. Well, actually, the episode even before that, uh, things were so busy trying to get episodes recorded so early that I forgot that Memorial Day was coming and going. And Memorial Day is a special day for me because I'm actually named uh, after my father, who was named after his uncle, who was who died a POW in World War One? So Memorial Day is a special day for me, and I of course want to raise my glass to all those uh, men and women who have died uh, in the service of our country to protect our freedoms. And in fact, I want to raise my glass right now to all those that are currently serving and who served. Uh, we do appreciate what you do for us and your courage. And we want you to make sure you return home safely to your families uh, as soon as possible. And as a reminder, I just want to let you know that you can find the beers that John and I talk about and the links to any articles, things we talk about on the show, in our show notes, which is attached to the MP3 file that you're listening to right now. So all you got to do is look at the information on there or go visit openforumradio.com where we have our show posts and find all the beers and the links to the articles that we talk about. It's a great place to stay connected with the show. And if you would like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and 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 untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can our listeners follow you? On Twitter at Prime Brewing, untapped Prime WA. And uh, if you want to read about how I lost two gallons of really delicious barley wine, you can head over to homebrewingengineer.com. 
Oh, it was a man. sad day. Yes. Yes, that that is a sad. I saw the mess that was left in the bottom of your of your uh your kegerator and I felt I felt bad that you had to to deal with that. So it's all cleaned up now, right? Everything's back on tap. Yep. Except for the barley wine. Except for the barley <laughs> wine. Okay. All right. Well, hey, you know what? It is last call and it is time to bring our show to a close. And we just want to thank you for downloading and listening to this show. We ask you to please subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitch Radio or TuneIn Radio or Google Play or however you listen to the podcast. And please, please share it with your friends. Let everyone know about the goodness of craft beer and what John and I have to offer. We really appreciate that. And as a reminder, we release a new episode every two weeks. So in two weeks, come back and hear more of John and mine great beer banter. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Jeez, are you back yet? I've been back, man. (laughs) Damn. I had to reprimand the wife for making noise. She knows it's podcast time. Uh, she's fine. It's okay. I just went yeah. out and, and realized Sarah was working, was doing the elliptical, and I was like, "What the hell is that noise?" And I'm like, "Oh wow, she's <laughs> she's over here working out right next to the podcasting too." So we should have some good noises in the, <laughs> in the yeah. show. So I, I gave her a scolding and a beer. So. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. I, I rule with a an iron fist and a velvet glove. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know how to do it right. We are going to discuss the Goza style guidelines per the 2015 JC... J- <laughs> I even wrote it down. I still can't say it. Oh. Okay, I'm going to start over.